God, I thank you so much that you took the journey to come here, to put on flesh, to live among us, to live the life we can't live, ultimately dying the death we deserve. God, we just pause right now to reflect on that because we've been through a week where we've been trying to figure out what's for dinner, trying to figure out where kids need to be, dealing with stuff at work. We've been so caught up, so caught up in the here and now, in, in, in the arguments that we've had at home and the things that happen behind closed doors and the negative feelings, the, 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 the attitudes of feeling overwhelmed and it's, there's so many things going on, God, and I pray that right now in this moment you help us lift up above that. Oh, we came in this door, in these doors with all these things on our mind, all these things just, just in the midst of the mess and all the things that, that are the busyness of life. God, help us now in this moment to rise up above that and see there's a bigger story going on. There's something more happening. Oh, and it's that you came to this world to give us life, life to the full. And this week, some of us have been trying to barely get by. So right now, in this moment, would you help us glimpse that life to the full and help us step into it? Because it's there. It's available to us. And that's what we want to experience. That's what we need, God, desperately. Life to the full. We're tired of our marriage sucking. We didn't get married to have something like this. We got married to have fun, to love, to experience life. Some of us are feeling overwhelmed with our kids. Man, we feel so weighed down and beat down. And sometimes we feel like we're just not good enough. We wonder if our kids would be better off with somebody else. But God, let us know here and now, you have come to bring life to the full. And we see that through the resurrection. Some of us, we just feel stuck in a rut, so stagnant, so uh, existing, that's it. And so God, hear it now. Hear it now. Let us feel the life that you came to bring. And remind us that we can have that. That today things can be different. Today things can change. As we walk out these doors in about four hours, no, we're not going to be here that long, but as we walk out these doors, things can be different. And that's what we're praying for today. Because we want to experience life to the full. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and take your seat. Man. You know, back uh, when I was a kid, I, I heard this song uh, in 1993. It was sung by this guy who had the same first name as a 1950s TV dinner. Uh, his name was Meatloaf. And he sang this. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. No, I won't do that. You see why I'm not in the worship team? I can't sing at all. But he said that I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. He said I would do anything for love, anything, anything, anything. He even listed out the things that he would do. He said, I'll raise you up. 
He said, I'll, I'll let you down. He said, I'll make you a little less cold. Now, keep in mind, you're still going to be cold, but just a little less cold. He said, I will douse you with holy water if you're too hot. And it's really nice that meatloaf cares about your temperature and that you're comfortable, you know. But, but this is what he says in the songs. I would do anything for love. He gives us a list of all the different things that he says he would do. But he said, I won't do that. And the question is, what is the that? What is the thing that you won't do? I would do anything for love. I'll raise you up. But I'm not turning the lights off when I leave the room. I'm, I won't do that. I'm not going to do it. Like, what is it that? I'll douse you with holy water if you get too hot, but don't ask me to unload the dishwasher. That's going too far. Like, what is the that that he's talking about? I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. And what I came to find is that you and I sing the same song in life. I would do anything for abs. But I won't get on a meal plan and do some crunches. No, I won't do that. I would do anything to make more money. I might even sell crack. But I won't show up early and work hard and make my job my joy and try and get a promotion and honor my boss. No, I won't do that. I would do anything to get out of debt. But I'm not cutting up my credit cards and living on a budget. No, I won't do that. Right? We sing this, right? I would do anything. There's this thing that we want, this thing that we hope for, this thing that we desire, and we want it so bad, and we will do anything for it except that. And the thing I want to ask Meatloaf, can't now, it's too late, but the thing I want to ask Meatloaf is what if the that that you won't do is the very thing you need to do to get what it is you want? The thing you want most is love, but you won't do that. What if that is the thing you need to do to get the thing that you long for? We're in the midst of this series right now called Circle Makers, and uh, this is a series that's all about bold faith. It's about praying bold prayers. It's, it's a series that's, that's finding out what is it you're desperate for? What is it you hope for? What is it you long for? Maybe it's peace. Maybe it's hope. Maybe it's, it's vision. It's direction. Maybe it's financial security. Maybe it's that your kids grow up to know God. Maybe it's that your friends who don't know Jesus come to know Jesus. Like, what is the thing that you're hungering and thirsting for, the thing you desire most? And what we're saying is, okay, grab that, write that down, and then draw a circle around it, and draw a circle around it. And what drawing a circle around it means is that you are willing to pray boldly for it. Not just, God, help me with this. No, but God, I need this. I'm desperate for this. That you would go to God and you would pour your heart and soul out to him. God, I'm begging you for this. I'm pleading for this. And then you would take bold actions to get where you long to go. So I know I need to do this, and now I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. So the thing I'm circling becomes the thing that I have. That's what we're doing in this series. We're figuring out what is it that you need most in life. Draw a circle around it. Become a circle maker. And then do that. You know, when you have um, a bunch of frogs that you need to eat, you know which frog you eat first, right? I mean, I know you all know because we eat frogs on a regular basis. But if you've got a bunch of frogs that you need to eat, the frog that you eat first is the biggest frog. That's the one. You get that frog out of the way so it's not staring at you the whole time, and then you go on with the, the rest of the frogs. Or if you don't like riding roller coasters, the roller coaster you ride first is the biggest and fastest one. That's it. Because once you ride that, everything else is going to be a breeze. You, you can tackle that, no problem. And so what I want to do today 
as we're in the midst of this series, second week of the series, Circle Makers, is I want to give you the biggest frog. I want to give you the, the biggest, fastest roller coaster. And I don't want to kill this series before it gets going. I hope I don't. But I want to give you the biggest frog, the biggest roller coaster, the biggest that that so many of us have that's holding us back. Because we do this with life. We, we sing these songs in life. But I, I think we also sing this song when it comes to our relationship with God. Right? Maybe we show up to, to church or, or, or we show up in life and we say, God, I would do anything for you, but I won't forgive them even though you've forgiven me. No, I won't do that. We show up in our relationship with God. We say, God, I would do anything for you. But not serving in church, especially kids' ministry, because that's not my calling. Dear God, don't ask me to go there. No, I won't do that. We say, God, I would do anything for you. But I don't like to read, so I can't really read the Bible. You know, I mean, we sing the song when it comes to our relationship with God. And this isn't a guilt trip. It's just a reality check, because we all have that, right? We can just look at our life, and we can say, okay, God, I want to follow you. I, I, I want to I, I do what you've called me to do, not because I'm obligated, not because I have to, but because I know that's what's best for me. You know what's best for me, and I want to do it, but I'm not doing it. And essentially what we're saying in our life, in our action, is, God, I would do anything for you except for these things that I'm not willing to do. I won't do those things. Again, not a guilt trip, just a reality check. You, we can look at our lives, and we can see, oh, there's some things that I should do. And I don't want you to shit on yourself, but there's some things that we can look at, and we can say, oh, okay, I know I should, but. And, and the truth is, in our actions, what we're saying is, I'm not willing to do that. This is not a priority for me. But the question I want to ask you is, what if the very thing you're not willing to do is the very thing God is calling you to do to receive the thing that you're circling. I want this. I desire this. I long for this. I want peace in my life, but I'm unwilling to manage my time better. I know I should. I just don't have the time to manage my time better, so I won't. And God is saying, until you start managing your time better, you won't have the peace that you long for. Are you with me? Y'all are really quiet this morning. You're probably just taking it in. But I want to give you the biggest frog, the biggest that that Christians have when it comes to their relationship with God. And this is a that that 95% of Christians, according to the research, say, uh, I'm not going to do that. And before I tell you what that big frog is, what that big roller coaster is, what that big that is, I need to tell you about the Knights Templar of the Crusades. See, in the Crusades, uh, the Knights Templar were, were the people who were employed in the army of the Lord, so to speak, and so they would go fight and kill people for God because, you know, why not? Uh, and so when the Knights Templar were inducted into the Lord's army to go fight and go on this conquest, they would be baptized. And they, when they were baptized, uh, they were baptized, immersed in this water, but they would hold up their fighting hand. This is what legend says. They would hold up their fighting hand. And it was as though to say, God, all of me is yours, except for what I do with this hand. Because with this hand, this is my sword hand. This is my fighting hand. This is mine. 
So all of me is yours except for this. I'm going to give you all of me except for this. You can't have this because what I do with this hand on the battlefield is up to me. And here's what I believe happens for 95% of Christians. And it's not just a belief that I have. Again, the research shows it. 95% of Christians, this is the biggest that right here. We say, God, I would do anything for you, but I won't do that. Here it is. The that is this. 95% of Christians are baptized with their wallet out of the water. God, I would give you all of my life. I'm going to trust you with my soul, but I won't trust you with my finances. A, a, a study in 2018 said that the biggest that for 95% of Christians is uh, trusting God with their finances. The study found that only 5% of Christians tithe. Only 5% of Christians tithe. Now, let me tell you what a tithe is. A tithe means 10%. A tithe is the first 10% that we bring back to God. And uh, tithe literally means 10th. And so it's not 15%. You can't say, well, I tithe 15%. No, you're giving 15%. You're not tithing 15% because tithe literally means 10. You, you can't tithe 3%. I tithe 3%. No, you, you gave 3%. Like a tithe means 10th. Just like a pint is a pint, right? If you say, well, I had a mega pint, well, it's 16 ounces. A mega pint is a regular pint. If you say, I had a small pint, a small pint is still 16 ounces. A pint is a pint, whether you call it mega or mini, it doesn't matter. In the same way, the tithe is the first 10% of our income that we return back to God. It's 10%. And the study shows that only 5% of Christians return the tithe back to God. And I believe that this is the biggest that that we have. This is the thing where God is saying, okay, you're circling whatever it is you want. You're saying, I desire this. I hope for this. I need this. I want this. You're circling it, but the thing that's keeping it from you is the tithe, that you're withholding it. And that's not something that I'm preaching. It's actually what God says. We see it in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. He says, I, the Lord... Do not change. Can I just pause right here and, and say this? God says, I, the Lord, do not change. Now, there's some people who are Christians who would say, well, tithing is like an Old Testament concept, not a New Testament concept. And the idea is this. The scriptures are, are broken up into two separate sections. We have the Old Testament, everything before Jesus, and then the New Testament, everything once Jesus was born and lived. And so some Christians say, Tithing is an Old Testament concept. Now that we live on this side of the scriptures, this side of Jesus' birth, we don't tithe anymore. God doesn't call us to do that. But I just want to read this. I, the Lord, do not change. So God says this in the Old Testament part of the scriptures. He's saying, I don't change. So what I'm about to tell you is true always. All right? And the other thing I want to point out, Maybe, maybe you're misguided on this or, or you heard some things about tithing. Sometimes people say that the, the, the tithing isn't reinforced in the New Testament. It actually is. There's this moment where Jesus is talking about the religious leaders who uh, are so particular in tithing. He said, you tithe a tenth, which is a tithe, of your mint, cumin, and dill. And so these are spices. So these religious leaders are taking their spices and they're saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, like, they're, they're like... Um, Drug dealers, they're like sectioning out 
their, their spices, and they're like, here's a tenth of that, here's a tenth of that, put it in baggies, and they're like, here. You know, and, they're, and they're like giving it back to God. He said, you're so meticulous in giving and tithing. You're tithing your, your spices, but you're neglecting some of the more weightier matters of the law, things like showing love and grace and, and peace and patience with people. And he tells them, don't neglect the former tithing and do the latter. He said, show grace and patience and love and continue to tithe. Jesus doesn't say, oh, don't worry about that tithing thing. That doesn't really matter. He reinforces it. And if anything, he adds to it. And so for the Christian today who says, well, the New Testament doesn't uh, talk about tithing, it actually reinforces it and then it adds to it. And then we see other places in the New Testament where tithing is reinforced as well. But this principle of tithing is returning the first 10% of our income back to God so that we can remember where it came from in the first place. It's, it's saying, God, thank you for what you've given me. Now I want to return a portion of it back to you so I can always know where it came from. And when we do this, what we show God is that he can trust us with what he's entrusted to us. I want to I show you what he says in Malachi 3.6. He says this, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord Almighty. So he said, there, there's some point in our relationship where you've walked away. He said, I want you to return back to me, and when you return back to me, I'll, I'll, I'll return back to you. And the people are confused about this, but you ask, how are we to return? And God says, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? Here's how you've walked away. You've robbed me. You've stolen from me. And the people, they don't get this. They say, wait, how are we robbing you? We don't understand. And then God gives them the answer in tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. And he says this, and said, bring the whole tithe, the first 10%, into the storehouse. Today, that would be the local church, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there'll not be room enough to store it. Listen, this message is not about you need to start giving to church. This message is not we don't have any money, so you need to start giving. It's not that. This message is not you just care about my money. No, that's not the case. Now, you don't say that to Nike. You don't say that to Ikea. You don't say that to Netflix. But when the church starts talking about money, they just care about my money. No, no, we care about you. I'm preaching this because throughout this series, as we say, God, here's the thing I hope for. Here's the thing I'm praying for. Here's what I'm desiring. And we're making a circle around it. I want this. I want this. I don't want you to be disappointed because God says, if you're robbing me, if you withhold the tithe, he's saying, I have the thing you're circling. It's behind these floodgates. And when you return the tithe back to me, he says, test me in this. Test me in this. Look, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. God is saying, I dare you. I double dog dare you. Test me and see if I don't open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing you won't know what to do with it. God, I'm praying for peace. I'm praying for vision. I'm praying for joy. I'm circling it. I'm circling it. Okay, 
when you return the tithe, the thing you're praying for, I will open the floodgates and I will pour that out. The reason why you don't have it, God is saying, is because you're robbing me. You're robbing me. And this isn't a health and wealth gospel. I'm not saying, you give to God $10, he's going to give you a thousand, praise the Lord, and I'll give you some anointing oil and a magic handkerchief. No, that's not it. And I'm not saying this God is. God is saying, when you are faithful with what I've given you, I'll pour out so much blessing, you won't know what to do with it. You want to unlock what's behind the floodgates? You want to receive the thing you're circling? God says, return the tithe. And what we see in this passage is this principle, that generosity opens doors. Generosity opens doors. When I'm generous, doors open for me. And you know this is true. You've experienced it in your own life. See, if I meet with somebody, somebody meets with me, they say, hey, I want to meet with you, talk with you, whatever. And so, so they, they want to learn something from me, and I'll, I'll talk to them about church planting or whatever it is, and then they send me a $10 gift card just for my time. What that shows me is they were grateful for my time. They were grateful. Thank you so much for the time you gave me to pour into me. And because I'm grateful, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to give you this. What that does is that opens up doors to them, where I'm like, okay, cool, I'll meet with you anytime. Not because you're buying my time, but because you showed me you were grateful and you were generous. And because you were grateful and generous, doors open. More opportunity is available to you. You do this at your job. If you show up grateful for the job that you have, and then you are generous with your smile, you're generous in your work, you're generous in helping others, it opens doors, doors of promotion. You, you show up to your marriage, and you're grateful that you get to wake up next to that person every single day. I don't feel that way. Well, start pretending like you do, and eventually you will. But you're grateful you get to wake up to that person every day, and then you start to be generous by serving them and loving them. That opens doors to the marriage that you hope for and that you long for. Generosity opens doors. And before we get it twisted, I need you to understand generosity is not just about money. It's not about finances. Generosity is about how we view the world. Right. And generosity is not something that you do. It's not like, I, I did generous. No, no, I am generous. Generosity is who you are. It, it's your mindset. It's your outlook. It's your perspective. Am I a generous person? And a generous person gives above and beyond. And so the question, again, and it's not about money. It's not about money. The question then is, are you generous with your time? I know you only got so much of it, but are you generous with your time? Are you generous with your smile? Are you generous with your kindness? Are you generous with your understanding? Are you generous with your patience? Are you generous with grace? Are you generous with your finances? See, generosity is about being full and overflowing and giving. And it's about who you are. So are you generous? Because the opposite of generosity is greed. And none of us like greedy people. We don't want to be greedy. We want to be generous. Greed is, it's all mine. Greed is, there's only so much to go around, and so I have to get it and hold on to it and hoard it. We don't want to be greedy. No, we, want to be, we hate greedy people. But sometimes we are greedy people. The way you combat greed is to be generous. And again, generosity is not about money, but what's interesting, and generosity is about who you are, but here's what's interesting. You can find out if you're generous by looking at what you do. 
right? So generosity is I am generous. I am a generous person. Now, the way that that's backed up is by look at what I do and you'll see that I'm generous. Who we are leads to what we do. So we can look at what we do to see if that's who we are. So because I'm generous, I give. Now, it's not about money, but one of the easiest tests to discover if we're generous is to look at our finances. And the study back in 2018 found that only 5% of Christians tithe. There's a lot of Christians not generous. And 80% of Americans, just Americans, give 2% of their income. Christians today are giving 2.5% of their income. During the Great Depression, it was 3.3%. When they had less, they gave more. For families making 75K plus a year, 1% of them tithed, giving 10% back to God. Well, if I had more, I'd make more. That's not true. 75K a year, only 1% tithe. The average giving by adults who attend U.S. Protestant churches is about $17 a week. So for every adult, it's about $17 that's given. And so we show up. God, I'm circling this thing in my life. I'm praying for this thing in my life. I'm believing for this thing in my life. I'm ready to step. I'm ready to walk. I'm ready to circle the walls. I'm not quitting on six. But God is saying, yeah, you can keep walking, but you keep robbing me. You're not going to get that. The way we unleash the floodgates of heaven is by returning the tithe back to God and embracing generosity again. I'm not telling you this. This is not a message that I would write. This is not a gospel that I'm preaching. This is what God says in Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. It's like God is saying, I'm begging you, please, would you just trust me and see if I don't blow your mind. See if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there'll not be room enough to store it. And what I want to point out again is this principle that generosity opens doors. Generosity is over and above what's necessary. And God actually doesn't even call us to be generous. He just calls us to be obedient. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Bring the whole tithe. So when I bring the first 10% back to God, I'm not being generous. I'm being obedient because God told me to do it. It's like if I let you borrow my car and you brought my car back to me, I wouldn't be like, oh my goodness, thank you so much. Why? Because it belonged to me in the first place. You're just bringing it back to me. You bring it back with a full tank of gas now? Thank you, you've been generous. Because you put more in it. When we return the first 10% back to God, we're just obeying God. And God sets the standard there. He said, if you'll just obey me, I'll open the floodgates of heaven. And God doesn't even ask for the 30% or 20% that the government takes out before you even see your paycheck. Because I'm not even going to take it like the government. I'm not taking that much. God doesn't even say, bring the 15% or 18% or 20% or 22% or 25% or whatever it is you tip the server. He said, I'm not even going to ask you to bring me a tip. That's more than what I'm asking for. 
Just 10%. And we say, God, I would do anything for you. But dear God, I don't know about that. That's a lot. That's a lot. But we tip more than that. And, and I just want to let you know, too, like God doesn't, God doesn't take, he, he's not, this is a tithe. This is an act of obedience. This is God, here's, here's what, I told you this is a big frog to eat, man. This is tough. This is the one that most Christians have a hard time with, but this is the one that God is saying, hey, if you'll do this, the thing you're circling for, I'll open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you won't know what to do with it. It's, it, it's hard, I get it. That's why we say, I would do anything for you, but I won't do that. God's saying, you got to do that. That's the base. And when we do that, not even branching into generosity, you give 11%, now it's generous. Because God says that first 10% is mine. Anything above that is yours. And so if you choose to give that, now you're generous. You bring that first 10% back, you're being obedient. Anything above that is generous. And here's a mindset that we need to have when it comes to returning the tithe and, and, and all that. It's not that God needs it. It's not that God needs it. It's not that the church needs it. I mean, we got bills to pay. We got rent to pay. We got salary to pay. We got things that we got to do, you know, to keep going. But here's the deal. If you don't bring it, somebody else will. So I'm not preaching this for us because there's other churches who support us. There's other Christians sitting in other churches who are giving to their church and their church gives to us so that we can keep going, which I am so grateful for their generosity. I am so grateful because we're a brand new church, man. We just started back in March and most brand new churches take three to five years to become self-sustaining where they're not in the hole. We're not there yet. That's why we've done some fundraising and things like that. There's a church, Mosaic Christian Church up in Maryland. This week, I got the phone call. They said, we're gonna give you $10,000 as a one-time gift. That's amazing. That, that, that those Christians in that church are giving to their church because they believe in it so much and that church believes in us so much that they said, we're gonna give you part of what they've given us. And I love the generosity there. But I wanna get to a point where the Christians in this church say, we believe so much in this church, we're gonna give back to God. I don't know where you're on that. But this isn't a message where God needs it. This isn't a message where the church needs it. This is a message where you need it because you're circling something. And God's saying, I so badly want to give it to you. But I need to know that I can trust you with what I've entrusted to you. And again, everything belongs to God. Look, Psalm 24:1: the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. We're, we're teaching our kids to tithe and, and give uh, I think, I think they're, they're giving it today, and maybe it's like 25 bucks, or I, I don't know how much it is that they brought. But here's the deal. God doesn't need their $25. God's not up in heaven like, oh, dear God, I wish somebody would just, I need, I need that 10-year-old's $25, please. God's not struggling to pay the bills in heaven. Everything is his. It all belongs to him. And then if you start to say, well, but I worked for it, I worked hard for it, look at this, Deuteronomy 8, 18. Instead, remember that the Lord your God gives you the strength to make a living. Everything you and I have, man, it's all a gift. It's all a gift. And when we understand that, gratitude rises up in us. God, thank you so much. 
It's a gift. And because it's a gift, it didn't belong to me in the first place, I'll gladly give you the first 10% back so I can remind myself where it came from, so I can combat greed in my life, so I can become more generous. God, yes, it all came from you, so I'll gladly give back to you, not begrudgingly, but because it was a gift in the first place. So of course I'll give back. Let me ask, who, right now you're, who, who would say, like, you're going through a tough time right now? I'm not going to ask you to share with us, like, what it is or anything like that. But, but who, you, you would say, man, I'm, I'm going through a tough time right now financially. Everybody's good? All right, well, our tides are going to start going up. Yeah, no. yeah, you? Here, come on up here. Come on up here. Rose. Y'all give it up for Rose as she makes her way up. There are none. You can take my hand and I will raise you up like meatloaf. No problem. All right, so Rose, you say you're going through a tough time right now. Um, here's, here's what I want to do just to illustrate what I'm talking about, okay? Open your hands for me. So in your hands, what do you have? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. There, there's nothing there. Now I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten five dollar bills. So fifty bucks. I'm gonna place this in your hands. Now what do you have in your hands? Fifty bucks. Fifty dollars you didn't have before. Now, if I said to you, you can keep that, but I just want you to give me one back, give me ten percent of it back, would you do that? So you would give me one back. You'd give it all back. Why? Because it came from me. It was mine. But I'm telling you, you can keep 90% if you'll just give me 10% back. So now you're $45 richer than you were before because, go with me on this, you've returned the first 10% back. So you didn't have anything before. It was all a gift. It's still a gift. And now you've given me 10% back. And I say you keep that. That's a good deal, isn't it? That's a great deal. You can have a seat. Thanks so much. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go with me on this. Don't mess up my illustration, Rose. But this is what God does. All of it is mine. I'm handing it to you. Just give me 10% back. Okay, no problem. Because before I had none. That's why we got to get a mindset. It's not mine in the first place. It's all God's. She fights me on this. No way. I'm keeping it all. What? That's what we do. No way, I'm keeping it all. It's all mine. Here, how about, how about instead of 10%, I give you, rip off a little corner and give that back to you. You think the God of the universe is in heaven saying, oh, dear God, thank you so much. No, he said, are you kidding me? Trust me. Because when you do that, there's more where that came from. I'll open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you won't know what to do with it. And so this is what obedience does. Obedience makes it so that God says, I can trust you with what I've entrusted to you, and so I will give you more. But I want to show you what generosity does. This is how you really receive the thing you're circling for. Again, this is not a give to get. This is God, because I'm grateful that it's all a gift, because I'm grateful, I want to do this. Here's what generosity does. Early on in the history of Israel, when it was just an infant nation, they had their fourth king. King Solomon. 
and Solomon rose to power. And at his coronation, I want to show you what happened. Solomon went up to the bronze altar before the Lord in the tent of meeting, and he offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. When a king was coronated, the standard, the custom was to offer one bull. Solomon did what my title for the sermon is, is this, 999 more than necessary. 999 more than necessary. All God required was one bull. Solomon said, I'm going to give you a thousand bulls. 999 more than necessary. And I want to show you what happens after he does this. Not just exercises obedience, but journeys into generosity. That night, verse 7, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask for whatever you want me to give you. You know how you have God show up to you and say, ask me whatever it is you want me to give you, you give 999 more than necessary. And maybe it's not literally that, but you branch into generosity and you give above and beyond because then God says, okay, I know that I can trust you with what I've entrusted to you. What happened was Solomon showed up and he said, I would do anything for you and I'll go above and beyond. And God said, ask me for whatever you want. Solomon asked for wisdom. God gave him wisdom. Made him the wisest man to ever live. And then on top of that, he gave him wealth and he gave him riches. And I think Solomon got this concept, this understanding. It's a bold move. 999 more than necessary. He got this concept, I think, from his dad, David. David was king and there was this moment, 2 Samuel 24, 24. He's looking to buy some land to make an altar to sacrifice to God. He says, but the king replied to Arana, no, I insist on paying you for it because Arana was going to give it to him. He said, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. David had this understanding, I won't give to my God that which cost me nothing. This is how Christians in the early church lived. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. See, when the people of God embrace generosity, revival breaks out. Things happen. There were no needy people among them, not just within the church, but, within, uh, but outside of the church and even within their own lives. And again, generosity branches out beyond money, but money is the obstacle for so many people. And I said earlier, you may be saying, you just care about my money. I said, no, that's not true. That is true. We do care about your money because we care about you. And I know that you care about your money. And I know that if you return the tithe back to God through the local church, you'll care about God and his local church. Not because I said it, but because Jesus said it. Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When you begin to tithe, return the first 10% back to God through the local church because your heart is connected to your money, your heart will be connected to this church and your heart will be connected to the things of God because we care about the things that we put our money in. The initials HDI don't mean anything to you. 
unless your name is Harold David Ingerbon, then, you know, you care because that's your initials. But if you have stock in Harley Davidson Incorporated, HDI, those initials mean a lot to you. Why? Because your money is there and your heart is connected to your money. We care about where our money goes. I want you to care about the things of God, which is one of the reasons why we give back to God. And so I want to invite you today to take a step when it comes to generosity. Again, this is, this is a big frog, man. This is a big frog. This is a hard thing for people to swallow. But God says, when you do this, I'll open the floodgates and pour out so much blessing, you won't know what to do with it. When we do this, it fights greed in our lives. We embrace generosity. But also, when we give back to God, we become more like Jesus. And we become more like God. Not that we become God, but we become more like him. Because God is the epitome of generosity. We see it in John 3.16, one of the most famous verses in all of Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave. He gave his one and only son, his first and his best. That's the tithe. God tithed his son, his first and best, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God gave us Jesus. And the truth is God is the ultimate giver. And I wonder today what your step of generosity needs to be. First, before I talk about those steps, maybe the step you need to take is to say yes to Jesus. To say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me on the cross and you rose again from the dead. And because of that, I want to give you my life. I want to follow you. I want to be baptized into you. Hey, if you've never made that decision, you can do that today. Right on your phone, you can open up our app. And there's a tab there that says connect. You just tap on that. We can put our app slide up for you real quick. Just tap on that if you haven't downloaded it yet. Scan this and download it. And uh, you'll be able to tap where it says connect. And there's a form there that you just fill out. And there's a box that says, I want to be baptized. Mark that box. That's your first step. Being generous with your life. Saying, God, I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to trust you as the Savior of my soul and the leader of my life. So if you've never made the decision, that's your first step. In a moment, we're going to celebrate communion where we remember the sacrifice Jesus made for us on the cross and the resurrection as he rose from the tomb. And we do this as a reminder that God so loved the world that he gave. So in a moment, I'll let you know when it's time to take communion. But that's what we're going to remember, that God gave so that we could live. But I wonder for you what your next step might be in terms of generosity. Maybe it's that you give for the first time today. Maybe it's not a tithe. Maybe you gotta take baby steps. So you say, today, I'm gonna scan this, this QR code that's here that, that, that's gonna come up for, for giving, and you can give online. You say, this is the first time I'm gonna give, and you become a first-time giver. You can also give through our app, but that's just the first step. Okay, God, I would do anything for you, and this is really hard for me, and I don't really know, but I, I wanna trust you, so I'm, I'm gonna give for the first time. Maybe it's to give for the first time. Maybe it's that you become more intentional in your giving. Maybe you show up, you say, okay, I drop it in the black boxes. But, but maybe what you need to do is give online and set it up so it's automatic, so it's recurring. So you give even if you forget about it. 
even when you're not thinking about it. Or, or, or maybe it's to say, God, I'm gonna give above and beyond the tithe. I'm gonna be generous. I've been given 10%, but now I'm gonna give 11. I'm just gonna branch out into generosity and see what happens. And here's the next step that we have for everybody. At the end of the series, December 4th, we're gonna do a circle makers offering. This is a time where we're gonna bring an offering above and beyond back to God. So you're gonna have an opportunity to say, God, I wanna be like Solomon. I wanna give 999 more than necessary. And I don't know what that number is for you. It's not about the amount, it's about the sacrifice. But we're gonna have an opportunity December 4th to bring an end of year offering and to say, God, I wanna be generous. I wanna step out in a bold way. I wanna do something I've never done before so that I can see some things I've never seen before in my life. So that's what we're preparing for on December 4th. And I wanna invite you to begin praying about that now. What can I bring? What can I bring? Maybe it's the equivalent of a mortgage payment. Maybe it's the equivalent of a car payment. Maybe it's that you tithe for the first time. I don't know what it is. But begin praying. What is the thing, God, that I can bring? Because I'm circling this thing in my life, and I want the floodgates of heaven to be open so that I can see it come to fruition in my life. We're going to end with that end of your offering. Last thing I want to share with you is if you go on our app, you go on our website, and you're new to this tithing thing, you can do what we call the 90-day tithe test. And this is a thing where, and we got a video up there that explains it and, and walks you through how it's done. But this is a thing where if you tithe for the next 90 days and you don't feel like what God says is true, you don't see the floodgates opening in your life, you don't experience more joy, hope, peace, blessing, all that stuff, we will give it all back to you not about with your money. We, we want you to experience the blessing of God in your life. So you can check out the 90-day tithe test and sign up for that as well. I'm going to pray for us. And um, then we're going to take communion. Right? God, I want to thank you so much for your grace and your mercy and your love. Thank you for what you're doing in and through this church. And I pray that today we eat the big frog. We ride on the big roller coaster. We do the thing that holds back so many people from experiencing your blessing in their life. And we take that step to become more generous, whether it's through the tithe or giving above and beyond that. But God, I pray that you begin working in us now as we start to think through what is it we can give above and beyond on December 4th to take a bold step to make a circle around what we long for. So that just like Solomon, you would show up to us and say, okay, ask whatever it is you want. And it's yours. And it's yours. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and take communion now at this time.